0: New Year! It's January. Still, we've got just this is the last day of January, I think. This is Danielle Houston. I am a benefits advisor here at Propel Insurance, and you're listening to my podcast, The Checkup. We have a return visitor today, who I'm excited to talk with, and. Interested to hear what he has to say. He joined us back in July for an episode that was widely listened to, mostly because I'm sure you guys find his content interesting as well. So Zack Snyder is back. Zack Snyder is the Director of Government Affairs with Regions. And actually, I mean, I guess Cambia Health Solutions would be your true mothership here as Regions all rolls into Cambia. But it's a really good time to have this conversation because it is the beginning of the new year. There's a lot of new things happening in our state. And Washington is gonna be a hotbed of interesting and perhaps challenging things here over the coming weeks. And Zach is gonna lay give us a good lay of the land on what's happening in Olympia. So welcome, Zach.
1: Yeah, thank you, I'm really glad to be back. It's a beautiful day. And every January, what happens is the legislature enters their annual legislative session. So that began just a few weeks ago. We are on week three, and I'm hoping that what we can do today is talk about what the legislative session has in store for healthcare.
0: Let's do it. And let's start with, you know, it's new year, new session, a lot of new people. What happened in the election that's changing who's sitting in
1: those seats well, the 2018 election brought a lot of new faces to Olympia. The Democrats significantly expanded their majorities. In the state Senate, for example, the Democrats have a 28 vote majority to 21 for Republicans. And in the House, the Democrats have a 57 seat majority to 41 seats for Republicans. So that means that Democrats are in a position to achieve many of their long-standing goals with their expanded majorities.
0: And a lot of these things are things that spark a lot of emotion for people. It impacts all of us, whether we are the buyers or decision makers or users of healthcare in particular, because that is a big hot button issue. It may have died down at the federal level on some capacity. But here in Washington state, that's not the case.
1: You're absolutely right. Democrats are looking to be bold and bring solutions that will really change the way people access healthcare. A couple of things I want to point out about the legislative session is, number one, it's a long session this year. Every odd year, the legislature has a 105-day session. Every even year, they have a 60-day session. It's 2019. It's a long session. So they have a lot of time to come up with ideas, and new ideas are coming out every day.
0: Right. And like you mentioned, this time during the year, you're in Olympia four out of the five days. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. I am in Olympia four out of the five days. The reason why I do that is because the healthcare committees, they meet almost every day. And so we are dealing with new issues every day.
0: So let's talk about some of these things that are going to be happening with policy making that are already kind of in the works and these conversations for out of five days. You gave me some great high level
1: priorities. Why
0: don't you kind of start digging through those for us?
1: Yeah, that's great. Right before getting into the priorities, one thing that hangs over the session is you have Governor Jay Inslee who is openly contemplating a 2020 run. Jay really wants to send a message to Democratic voters nationally that he is bold, that he is bold on environment, that he is bold on healthcare. So that really plays into all of the things he's supporting at the legislature. That's something that we pay pretty close attention to. But a few of those priorities that are high level, I would say are mental health, number one. The governor has proposed a $700 million package to increase the number of mental health beds available to individuals across our state for people who are civilly committed. Okay. The other piece is opioids. This is an issue that legislators have been looking into for the past 10 years or so. There's a new $25 million package to encourage individuals to seek alternative treatments to opioids, such as chiropractic care and physical therapy and things of that nature, and also provide community workers anti-overdose drugs and things of that nature. Okay. The other big piece is SEB funding, and SEB is the School Employee Benefits Board. This is a new program that will provide health insurance benefits to all the teachers in the state of Washington. This legislation was created in 2017, and it goes live in 2020. However, in the interim, before this 2019 session started, the state projected that it will cost an additional $900 million to fund the seb
0: 900 million just the number alone kind of makes my stomach hurt a little bit
1: that's a lot of money it is when you consider that the entire state budget is 55 billion dollars 900 million is a lot of money to come up with to fully fund the seb so there's this aura in olympia of will they or won't they i believe the political will is there to fund the seb however we have seen in the past many proposals to undo the SEB, to delay the SEB. We haven't seen any of those proposals come up yet this year. I do expect to see some, but we'll see what legislators do. It all depends on how much new tax revenue they can get to come into the state treasury.
0: Now, from my standpoint, it almost sounds like, and maybe this is just kind of a silly question, though, too, is that the SEB was formed and basically what that did was take all of the public school districts out of making their own decisions around, you know, who are they offering for health care, or even being part of the Washington Education Association, right, and folding them into this state benefit. But before the benefit even starts, somebody misjudged how much that was gonna need. Is that basically what's happened?
1: That's basically right. What happened was the state did not account for what the WEA would collectively bargain for. Okay. The school districts themselves are no longer bargaining for their health insurance. Right. The WEA has taken that role and they drove a hard bargain.
0: Yes, they did.
1: That is why the state needs more money to fund the SEB, so that the state can honor the contract that was agreed to. Okay.
0: Interesting. All right. And obviously, things like opioids and mental health, we all feel like there are some moral reasons why we should be helping. And we can all drive through Seattle, really, and see some results of what happens when people don't get the help and the care that they need. But help and care costs money. So these three things that you've outlined as being kind of these hot topics. What are we talking about as far as funding? You said how much money these bills are gonna encompass. So the next question most people wanna know then is, how are we gonna pay for
1: this? Well, like I said, the state does have a fairly large budget, but in order to attack all of these priorities and more, I just talked about some of the larger healthcare priorities. There are many other priorities when it comes to environment, education and others. The governor is proposing three new taxes to achieve these goals. The first is a capital gains tax. Famously, Washington state does not have an income tax. So this is a way to get close to that. The capital gains tax would impose a 9% capital gains tax on capital gains that are 25,000 or more for an individual, 50,000 for families. The next tax is a b increase. The business and occupation tax is a tax on gross receipts of businesses. This would impose a 1% increase on services. So the service category only.
0: And there's a lot in that service category though as well.
1: There absolutely is. Some of the rationale behind legislators only attacking the service category is that, well, only wealthy people use services accountants and lawyers and things of that nature. And so they feel that this is a progressive way to attack the B&O tax.
0: Interesting. But what are some of the other ways that we see that B&O tax? I mean, I know like on a fully insured premium for health insurance, there's a tax.
1: That's right. There's a premium tax. Right. That is two and a half percent.
0: Right. Already.
1: So this would bring the service category from one and a half percent to two and a half percent.
0: So we would probably see some change in a number of maybe services that we have and not just specifically if you have an accountant or if you have an attorney that you use. That's right. So what's the collection between that? What do they estimate that that would bring in, so to speak, to fund some of these old things?
1: Well, the last tax that they're looking at is a real estate excise tax. They want to move it from a flat tax to a progressive tax. So you would pay less real estate excise tax on properties that are valued less than $250,000. And you would pay more on properties valued more than a million dollars. Okay. You take all three of these taxes together, capital gains, B and O increase and changing the REIT, tax, the real estate excise tax, Mm -hmm. to a progressive tax, that is projected to bring in more than $4 billion for the biennium. And a biennium is a two-year budget. That's how the state does their budgeting. This accounts for more than 20% increase in revenue for the state, this biennium over the last biennium.
0: Okay. Not small potatoes.
1: It's quite a bold proposal. This is what the governor put out there, but the governor doesn't legislate. The governor signs legislation so it's up to the legislators to move on this i expect that they will move on a version of this but we haven't seen that yet
0: okay any idea when they might have something that looks like they're going to take it for a signature
1: well it is a long legislative session it's 105 days so
0: it could be the 104th day not necessarily right
1: we will see something soon okay we will see something from the state house a proposed budget. The Democrats put out their proposed budget, then the Republicans put out their proposed budget. But the Republicans do not have the leverage that they've had in past years. I just explained the new majority. So yeah. I would pay very close attention to what the House Democrats come out with. Mm-hmm. That's coming out soon. That's a starting point, And everything will flow from there. Okay.
0: So one of the things that really piqued my interest because... Healthcare obviously is such a hot button issue and it impacts all of our clients in some form or fashion. And really anybody in Washington state who buys health insurance. So really it's everybody. Everybody's got some skin in this game in some form or fashion. And you have talked a little bit about this new house bill, house bill 1523, being a public option, which would definitely be new territory For Washington and probably anywhere in the country? Has any other state addressed something kind of like what we're going to talk about next?
1: No other state has gone down this road. And you're absolutely right. This is bold. This is in the wheelhouse of a new proposal that will change healthcare. It's important to understand what the public option is here. What is it that the governor is proposing? What it would do is three things number one it would require health carriers to offer standard benefit designs that the state would design the idea is you would lower cost sharing lower deductibles because legislators they're very concerned with high deductibles they hear from their constituents the governor is the same way he hears from constituents about these very high deductibles and they want to do something about that one thing that they can do is they can direct the state to design a health benefit plan that would have as low as deductibles as possible and really shift that cost to the premium. Mm -hmm. So that's part one. Part two is the public option part. And this part of the bill would direct the healthcare authority to contract with one or more health carriers to offer one of these standardized plans. But the plan would be required to pay providers at medicare rates so we would be capping providers at medicare rates in this plan
0: and just to add a little bit of context you know what are we talking about as far as what is that medicare rate in comparison to what doctors are paid for a non-medicare patient in washington
1: we don't have the specific data but when you look at a recent report that was issued by the Government Accountability Office, this is a federal office that analyzes a whole host of issues for the United States, they indicated that a commercial rate is double.
0: Double. That's, That's across huge. the country. Yeah. And one really important distinction that I would love everybody to be able to walk away from is connecting these dots between. Your cost for health insurance is directly tied to how much providers bill, how much pharma charges for prescriptions. So we keep tackling things like cost shares with health insurance and premium with health insurance, but there's not anything that has really tackled why the heck is it costing this much in the first place. But that's probably a topic for a different podcast. And I know it's something that it comes up from a lot of our clients too. So what else about this single public offering?
1: One of the other important things to understand about this proposal is that healthcare was a major issue in 2018. And this is the response. When you talk with the legislators, some of them who are more incrementalists, they'll say, well, I need to propose something that will satisfy the calls for single-payer, the calls for Medicare for All. I'm an incrementalist, I don't think we should go there yet, but here's something that we can do in the meantime. They think that they can offer this and it will satiate that hunger for something like a national Medicare for All. The other piece is that there's been a lot of polling on public option, and when you ask people in the country, do you support a public option? and you define a public option as a government-offered health plan that competes in the private market, over 70% of respondents say that they do support that. That is huge support.
0: That is huge support. And I think because we're all feeling kind of tapped out about what this all costs and how much we pay for our families. So there, I think there's a lot of good reasons underlying, right? But you can't make one big sweeping change like, offering a public option without addressing a lot of other core pieces. So that was one of the things that I expressed some concern about. There's always unintended consequences. You can't pull the rug out from one side and not have something fall down elsewhere. So maybe we can talk a little bit about what are some of the concerns with public options? Because I think we have a good idea of what would be some of those positive things. But what about the concerns?
1: Sure. We're hearing stakeholders express their concerns about the public option. There was a hearing on this proposal just yesterday. So we heard people on the record. We heard some concerns from the hospital association and from the medical association. They talked about some of the problems with having this Medicare rate and its impact on Medicaid. Okay. Doctors accept Medicaid for a lot of different reasons. Number one, they want to be good citizens and they want to help the neediest in our society. But number two, frankly, they know that they can subsidize those low Medicaid rates, remember Medicaid is lower than Medicare rates, with commercial. Okay. They know that they can cross-subsidize that. So if we cap the individual market participants at Medicare rates, their willingness and ability to accept Medicaid rates falls. Okay. We also heard from the insurance industry We heard some of their concerns about this legislation and they focused on the impact to the employer markets.
0: That's my initial concern. One of the things I've always explained to to clients, you got to think about it as one pie, right? The pie doesn't necessarily get any bigger, doesn't necessarily get any smaller, but if you're working out of the same pie, if you take a smaller piece one place, it's got to get bigger somewhere else.
1: That's exactly right. The insurance industry they stated they don't believe that providers will necessarily just accept a pay cut. Right. They will take the pay cut in the public option, but they will go to the employer market and look for that income.
0: Higher contracted rates from our carriers that we buy services from.
1: They talked about it as a cost shift. They talked about it as a hidden tax. They're very concerned about it.
0: That concerns me, too. I mean, we already know that on the commercial side, we already pay more than Medicare, which we outlined a little bit earlier, and obviously more than Medicaid. And I can't blame a doctor or a provider for wanting to take a closer shave than what they may already be taking when they look at the cost of malpractice insurance and some of those other pieces. It's complicated. You can't just pull one piece of this down and then not expect some other pieces to fall apart, which is concerning.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I would just say that the proposal probably would have the impact of lowering premium for some folks. But the stakeholders talked about some of those unintended consequences.
0: So what are the chances, do you think, and I would say that last time we did this, some of your predictions were right on the money, especially when we talk about who's sitting in Olympia. What do you think are the chances of something like this passing?
1: I think the chances are high. Yeah. I think they want to be bold. And they want to do something. The bill may not look like it does today. There may be some important changes made to it, but I think something will pass.
0: So speaking of boldness, Washington paid family leave. Bold move. That one came through, right? And we're starting to that's correct. collect... The premium for that and employers will remit that first portion in April for first quarter. Another House bill that you referenced, House Bill 1087, the long-term care trust, that would really tack on long-term disability onto what they've already started with the short term, right?
1: Yeah, you're correct. This bill that you referenced, House Bill 1087, this is a long-term care play. The bill, beginning in 2022, would impose a 0.58% tax on wages. So that's a new payroll tax. And once you are eligible, you would receive a $36,000 benefit that you could use towards long-term care services.
0: Okay. So this wouldn't necessarily be long-term disability like what we see as today, which long-term disability, when I think of that today, I think of... You know, you've had an injury and illness, something that has kept you out of work and you're replacing income. This sounds more like maybe you're elderly or maybe you have some other physical issue that you can't care for yourself. Is that more along the lines of what you think this is?
1: That is the intent. However, okay. I believe some of the people that you described would be caught up in this as well. Oh, heck yeah. Disabled people would mm-hmm. be able to pull this benefit. And really the reason why this is coming up is There's been very high-profile failures of long-term care insurance companies. Penn Treaty, the second largest one in the country, went under. Also, there is just this sense that people over 45 can't even buy one of these policies. So the state has to step up and do something. That's what we hear from legislators. They say over and over again, people over 45 can't even buy a policy.
0: And one of your notes on this, too, said that this is not something that has red or blue lines on it. This is something that's bipartisan. You got people from both sides that are in on this.
1: You're absolutely right. This is a bipartisan bill. Unlike the previous one we talked about, public option, both sides are interested in this. This has a very good chance of passing this year as well. Okay.
0: Anything else? I mean, not that this isn't enough, Zach, but you mentioned how many bills so far that you're kind of hearing talk of or expect to come through?
1: Well, it's week three. The legislature has introduced over 1500 bills so far from the perspective of regents we're tracking 70 bills 70
0: okay so i would imagine your counterparts here in washington are tracking closely on the same as well i hope you're all getting your rest
1: that's right we are get your
0: sleep take your vitamins our intent with this podcast is to inform all of you and if you have questions or concerns if you want to be involved or heard we want to make that available to you too. Zach would love to see employers represented more in this space, in particular with healthcare in Olympia. And he's always eager to make connections, so I know he'd love to chat with you. We will also provide a link so you can easily find your state representative and you can connect with their offices directly if you like. I feel like this has become my mantra of sorts, but it's so true. We're all in this together, no matter what happens or where the road might take us. I hope that today's legislative update has informed you and inspired you to be active and heard in our community. If you want to join the conversation, you can follow me on Twitter. We're at the Checkup and that podcast community, we'd love to connect with you there. You can also check us out on Facebook. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or from Propel's YouTube channel. And you can find that at our website, propelinsurance.com. Thank you again for joining me today on The Checkup. This is Danielle Houston. Until next time.